like the hat, Brandon. Walt wanted me to give him this hat. It's one of a kind. I made it. That's not a joke. Hello, my love. I heard a kiss from you. Red magic satin play near too. All through the morning rain, I gaze. The sun doesn't shine. Rainbows and waterfalls run through my mind. In the garden, I see. Disco Rich. Don't read your email. I caught him. I caught him. I saw that too. It's amazing. Can't help himself. At all. Can't pay attention. Screen addiction. He can't stare at one screen because he needs another screen. What's wrong with you, Rich? <laughs> I love you guys. I thought you were born again. I see what I would call re- regression. everybody to episode 96 of the light shed podcast brandon ross rich greenfield walt pisick and rich just let that play in the background a little bit so we you really can, like this we song can, huh? we can enjoy the rest of the song i would love to know what happens to you each week that you get these songs stuck in your head like just how does that happen oh no i listen to them or hear them in the background somewhere and they get stuck in my doesn't everyone get songs stuck in their head is um yeah i uh, guess this is so th- do you want me to tell you a very very strange fact about myself that yeah. i just realized was an anomaly um when we were actually doing research on one of our venture projects when you listen to music do you see colors or like if you close your eyes, can you like see color? I don't it's think called, I'm seeing a it's color. Co- it's called, not right now, but if you're concentrating, it's called synthesia. I thought everyone had it, but <laughs> I just found out that this was a weird anomaly that I have. I there's another word for that. It's called microdosing. No, <laughs> I, I don't do psychedelics, which I know sounds very weird. Because all the music, or not all, but some of the music I listen to is quite psychedelic. But yeah, I'm not like a psychedelics person. And I don't know how or why this has happened to me. Well, congratulations. From In my world, um, that was a really lengthy intro on the <laughs> on a fascinating topic. I don't even know how that. <laughs> no idea. Came into my mind. <laughs> Yeah, and he, came well, out, he asked came like, why is slowly. why is music stuck in your head? And well, you could have just been I don't know and moved on. Anyway, so uh, so Liverpool uh, has defeated uh, Chelsea in the first of four trophy opportunities. Liverpool. Uh, this was on the day after. I think I don't actually. I don't even know the timing. Whether Abramovich has said he was going to to sell the team. So big things happening in the land of English Premier League. Um, Chelsea almost got knocked out of the FA Cup, which would be the second trophy opportunity available for the English Premier League. But obviously, um, 
the Ukraine is still dominating kind of the headlines. So, you know, we should always, I think, acknowledge that before we get into this and that hopefully that will come to a productive ending. I don't, you know, it seems to me that you have all these billionaires that are losing their wealth quite rapidly, right? I mean, if you're, if you're worth a couple of billion dollars, how much does it cost you to perhaps infiltrate and neutralize the issue that's, that's generating this problem? If the neutral, if the issue gets neutralized, so will they lose their wealth? Because I mean, the, if, if the neutralization yeah. is going to probably be an overthrow, right? And so if a you new overthrow and they coming pull, in, right? And if you throw out, if you if they pull back from the Ukraine, like there's just going to be at a minimum there'll be less pressure, less yachts taken, less London apartments taken. There's still other wealth that that has not yet been taken. So I don't think it could be much worse than what's happening to them now. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. Yeah. We'll say. I mean, if you're in Putin's inner circle, you're what is it like 289 billion dollars that's kind of like split up among among the oligarchs yeah there's other people in the inner circle that are from what i've read in the economist um they are pro the ideology ideology of putting the ussr back together so not everyone but you would think that there's enough people with a lot of money that are negatively getting negatively impacted that could have some impact so but it's obviously unfortunate for the people of Ukraine and my fellow Polish brethren that are now entering the Ukraine to fight, um, you know, on think behalf of the Ukrainians. Most you- revo- most revolutions start with the masses, though. And I think if the economic sanctions are enough, you're going to have mass quantities. Uh, and there's a lot of casualties, mass quantities of Russian people kind of like rise up and that will. It's a little harder though, because as you rise up in the streets, you immediately get taken away and put into prison somewhere. Unless it becomes overwhelming, right? Which we've seen in many countries over time, including in the last 10 years. Think about like some of the Twitter revolutions that happen. Yeah, we'll see. I think Russia might be a little different scenario, but we'll see. Hopefully it comes to a better end. We we might see some change in uh in soccer teams though, or football teams because of this. Well, sure. Sounds like he's going to see Chelsea be sold. We get a new owner. Um, We'll see some other teams have are owned by effectively governments that are also have been coming out against, um, haven't come out against Russia. So we'll see if that shit continues to roll downhill. Okay. Let's go to our first slide. Rich, what do we got? I I was going to get something off my chest. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, You're going to see Batman tonight. No, I didn't even know Batman was coming out. It's tonight the premiere. Are you kidding me? Tonight. Oh. It's tonight. Is it, or last night. It, it was actually open last stream? night. Is it available no, on stream or theaters no, no. only? You have to go to theaters only. It's it's three hours. It's supposed to be amazing. Well, Rich, I was thinking rather than going to Batman, I was going to Uber some AMC popcorn to my house <laughs> and watch um, some more Peaky Blinders, which I'm really enjoying right at the moment. Everyone says Did you hear about the set? Did you hear set. about the set? They torched the set. Of Peaky Blinders? It was the Peaky Blinders. Please no spoilers. Please no spoilers. No, no, no. no. They so. literally torched it. Like literally arsonists torched the set last night. Why? I, it was the okay. set of Peaky Blinders and some other show. I forget which other show. Um, the other, the, the English one that you liked watching. Um, it was on PBS. Whatever. I think so they filmed a bunch Dara, of stuff. Uh, from Uber right. should be em- embarrassed that 
he did that transaction with them. I get that, like, okay, great, Uber delivers a bunch of different <laughs> shit, but like to pander to that fucking bullshit, like, is incredible. And I know we have some listeners from the rideshare community. That's embarrassing. It's literally fucking embarrassing for Dara to associate himself with AMC in that way. Thank you. That's all I have to say about that. Um, uh, let's get can, to our can I give my PSA yeah. first? Yeah. Sorry. And this is on a more serious note. And it's oh about how people are treating Russian people in our own country and city. And you guys know this, but I just want to tell this story. I have um, a good friend that teaches um, uh, ballet classes, dance classes in New York City, who rented studio space from two different places. And both of them revoked her ability to rent the studios because and my niece actually is in one of her classes and can't go anymore. So the people, I, I, it, I can't even believe I have to say this, but or this is happening. But people who are Russian don't necessarily agree with but, 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 what Putin but this, is doing. It's absurd. But, but this, this is no, about, I mean, no different than anti-Semitic behavior because of what happens in Israel and the Israeli government. I, look, you had internment camps during the war. But I mean, I think the theory behind why people do this, Brandon, is what you said earlier, that there's some people that think like, oh, you got to create stress for the people of Russia, even though they're against it, in order for them to rise up against no. their leader. So you, so this person who we won't name, her relative is her mom in Russia. So what are you trying to do? Squeeze this poor person so that her mom goes out on the street, gets beaten up and thrown in prison. And that's going to overthrow that. That's gets to my earlier point about, right. Yes. Obviously it's ideal that people is, rise up and overthrow the government. But the more realistic thing is you have billionaires that are getting materially impacted that may have other ways to infiltrate and overthrow that government. But if someone is in the United States, treating them like shit and taking their rights away that the normal rights that we would have as you know uh, citizens or right, who are not just, oligarchs that didn't who are, benefit exactly from the corruption. who are not yeah. benefiting who escaped that country right. and you know doing stuff to them isn't going to change or put pressure on the russian government at all it's insane and so i well, and the other I'm just, impact I'm is, just shocked by it. The other impact is you still want people like these are again, there are people there are people in within Iran as well that are against their government, but can't because they're afraid to, you know, you know, to lose their life basically or get thrown in prison. Okay, let's move on to the anyway, first slide. All right, sorry. First slide, Walt, do you want to kick it off since you were at the Verizon Analyst Day? Uh, well, this tweet is from Todd Spangler, Spangler, excuse me, effectively referencing what was probably the most interesting portion of what I thought was a pretty good investor day by Verizon, um, specifically citing Verizon's launching something called Plus Play, which is a street streaming aggregation hub, um, Netflix being the anchor tenant. So a couple things on this. A, it sounds like Netflix's exclusivity with T-Mobile has expired. However, what Verizon's doing here is not like what they're doing with Disney Plus. This is not creating content to move you up to a higher bundle. This is they're saying like, look, it's clear people are cutting their cord. Verizon's not putting any money into Verizon Bios TV, right? They're not, they don't care about that. People are cutting their cord. We're all going to have multiple streaming 
um, services, including maybe a live TV. I think YouTube TV will be a part of this at some point. And it's kind of crazy. Like I get like credit card alerts. You just got charged $5 for Paramount Plus. Like I don't, all your, all your, <laughs> and some of my subscriptions are in Apple. Some of them are direct, like they're all over the place. So what Verizon's saying is we're going to address this pain point and aggregate all of these things in, in one location. And then to the content guys, they're saying, look, if you do promotional offers through us, our conversion rates are much higher. If you do a promo, your conversion rates 20%. If we do a promo, it's like 50 to 70%. When that person churns, we're going to have save offers that are going to help them. The downside is like, if all my subscriptions are, one, are in one place, I'll be able to turn them on and off <laughs> a little bit easier, right? So that's, that is a negative. And then the third part of this is if I move my subscription off of someone that's charging me 30%, like Apple yeah, to Verizon, that, that's the key point. I hammer this. You can save, they're obviously saving money. And I think when you look at someone like Netflix, obviously Netflix probably has a pretty good deal with, um, with Apple, right? They're probably Remember, not paying. They're, they're in the 15% category, Correct. not the 30. Right. But so there's others out there that might be different, but you know, look at the end of the day, like if they think there's more value in being with Verizon, there's likely going to be, and Verizon indicated this, some um, promotions where, where that will, the cost of those would be jointly shared between Netflix and Verizon in That's order to be a trigger for rich, right? There, to do no? two things. One, take the third-party subscriptions, which there's research out there that says that 50% of Netflix's subscriptions are through third parties, which I know, Rich, you disagree with. Challenge so, in, in this country, at least. Maybe in there are countries at that rate, but I would challenge that heavily. There's research out there that is indicative of this country. We can challenge it, right? There's no facts. Yep. Netflix doesn't report this. Mm -hmm. um, they can deny it, but until, you know, that's like that's like cable saying churns at a record low. Okay, Netflix, disclose what your mix of, of third party is. Disclose it. So if I'm Netflix and I'm and the theory is like, look, I'm increasing prices. I'm potentially maybe going to slap down on multiple password sharing. I want maybe a better. If I've got some third party out there, I want to move some people over. For other for other companies, for smaller Paramount Plus, whatever, they even able to hire share of third party. So if they can get on Verizon's play plus the theory is maybe there's more about in addition, in terms of Netflix, one other thing on this, and I'll let you rail rich and go on your rant. Um, the theory is if I'm Verizon, I'm, I'm really good in rural red state type stuff. Netflix is more of a blue state. Um, at least according to some of the comments that they made, or maybe the research, you can maybe refute that as well. And then maybe there's an opportunity, even though Netflix has a shit ton of customers in the US, to expand in some of these markets where Verizon is a bit stronger um, for certain demographics and, and be able to promote them on their website, on their app, and things like that. Rich, counterpoint. Well, first of all, Amazon is a long point to counter. No, like, <laughs> look, well, I wanted to frame Amazon. it all up, Brandon. Yeah, I, you gave a Amazon. Brandon diatribe there. Amazon Sorry. tried to be this. Amazon wanted to be this aggregator, but they wanted you to use the Amazon app to stream everything. So that was the big pushback is like you wouldn't use the HBO app. You would use the Amazon Prime app. Obviously, that's not what this is, but that's why everyone has been exiting the Amazon channel stores that they didn't want to give up control of the customer. And this 
it's basically just a billing relationship and it's trying to aggregate you, billing. But you are giving, what's the difference, Rich? Because you are giving up control of the customer. Is it just the data that's different? Because when you streamed in the Amazon platform, Amazon got the data and I don't hear you're using the Netflix the app. streaming service. Here, did. here you're, here using you're the actually Netflix using the Netflix app. The only app, difference but- is you're, you're, you're b- billing through Verizon rather than directly. The same thing Comcast. When you sign up for Netflix through Comcast, you're still going into the Netflix app. They're still getting all the data Comcast isn't. So this is you know, no different than T-Mobile, including it, right? It's just a billing relationship. And so there's no negative for any plot or any, any SVOD company using this. I think the question I just have is you can't just go onto the Verizon app and click a button. You've got to go into the Verizon app. Then you have to go into the add-on app section. And then once you're there, it's going to boot you to a mobile browser that opens up because they can't actually do it in the app, at least for now. You know, we'll see where regulation ultimately goes with Apple and, and app stores. But you can't do this seamlessly right in the app with a click of a button. It's still do, a multi-step do what, Rich? What, can you define do what since I wasn't at the analyst day? What are you doing that you You're signing you up the for browser. Horizon. You're signing, signing up for Netflix. Up. Okay. So, so rather than clicking a button once, you have to click it twice. And that you described it in a way that it's was not very like, biased. It's not it, like every time you're, you're streaming, you have to like click multiple buttons. Correct. This is just for a sign-up process where presumably because Netflix is going to save the 30% or it's less for Netflix that they would have. It's only 15. Yeah, it's only 15. Um, that so they how much are we saving? How much Apple. are we saving? Are we saving anything? Well, my guess is we'll, you, we'll find there, out. Would be a, there would be a discount number one, Right. Hold on. Now um, let Rich answer because I want to okay. make sure we have this on tape so we can come back to it in two months about tape. are you saving anything? Tape. We're going to go back to the tape. So tell us what you think won't happen. That You don't uh, think there's going to be the promo from Netflix that they're willing to share in the cost of is not going to be interesting enough. Say it. I'm just saying we have, I don't think I've ever seen a Netflix. Brandon, have you ever seen a Netflix promo? No. Reduced uh, not ever. recently. Not recently. There used to be w- like one month free. Oh, I mean, they have a problem um, with not not saying one month free. I'm not saying one month free. I'm saying where you could get Netflix for the year at a reduced price. Yes. I've never seen that. Yes. Um, it was tied to the purchase of a Chromecast. And there was like you bought the Chromecast and you got and like was, many, many months, months of Netflix free. for free. So, it, and right. Netflix doesn't have any promos going on in Europe right now outside of the US. Nothing. Zero. They don't do Bullshit. promos. Ever? Okay. I mean, they lower price. I mean, like they just didn't. You, you think that Chromecast promo was the only promo they've ever done? No, I mean, look, maybe what this is, maybe it's not lower price. Maybe it's get the first three months free of Netflix if you sign up through this platform. It may okay. look like that, not but, a And by the way, it, it may actually work. To, well, let's talk about the like the churn situation here. Does this reduce okay, I, churn or Brandon, increase churn? Before you go turn? into that, can I just respond? Oh, it should lower churn. It should lower churn. First, let me respond to the first statement, <laughs> which is if part of this is not just expanding to the red state Verizon stronghold, it's also to move customers from an existing relationship to a new relationship. Let's all agree that it's unlikely that, hey, I'm going to get three free months and that's why I'm going to move off of my Apple billing. There's got to be something more interesting to move you off of another subscription. 
What does that right? mean though? What's I don't more know. interesting? First of all, okay. Well, this is what people are going to try and ferret out, obviously, over the next two months. But I just I believe an offer <laughs> is Verizon will deliver something interesting. I don't know what that is. Right? They're obviously not telling people. You think that right. it sounds like that no, Netflix just doesn't do promotions. And I think the difference now between history rich is they've got very good penetration in the US. And again, as I stated before, they potentially are facing headwinds from the price increases that they're implementing and that they maybe they're going to start to crack down on multiple um, password share, share, yeah. sharing signups. And that could imp- impact um, the subscriber growth, which a partner like Verizon has demonstrated to Disney clearly in terms of reduced churn and better retention, meaning that like I do a promo, whatever the fucking promo is. If Disney Plus did it themselves, Netflix did it themselves, they'd only get 20% of those customers that would that would continue on after the free period. Verizon's delivering 50 to 70%, depending on the content partner. Can I ask a question? Uh, because obviously I wasn't at this analyst day, not being a, a telco guy. Did they talk anything about bundling different services together? Because that is one way to reduce churn. Um, they did not talk about that. It's the opposite, meaning that I'm going to go to my portal or whatever the hell they're going to, oh, I guess they're going to yeah. call it plus play. <laughs> I'm going to go to plus play yeah. and I'll be able to click things on and off. Now, look, over time, okay. they want to partner with the content guys and make the money. So what they described is, well, we're going to help them reduce it because when they say they're going to turn it off, we're going to give them save offers. So right. and it's, okay. it's not just going to be video content. It'll be gaming, stream, whatever the, you know, whatever fucking subscription you want out there. So, the, and maybe bundling will be part of it, but they did not obviously address yeah, so, that. I thought about synthetic bundling um, sure. as, as a possibility. If they're controlling the billing relationship and have relationships with multiple different streaming providers. Well, look, I can tell you right now that on Disney Plus, the other info that we were talking about yesterday is, we, we all talked about how D plus just doesn't have enough content. There's a limited yeah. number of customers. They said the next leg of that relationship, what's been happening is bundling ESPN and Hulu in there. Yeah. Has made a big difference. The Disney bundle. Yeah. Getting and we've certainly seen it in some of the numbers, especially, especially in the ESPN. ESPN yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so we'll just say, one last thing to the extent yeah. that our Netflix listeners are going to email us and deny this stuff, go on the record because I want you on the record in a, you know, before a month or two from now, when we see what this actual promo is, go on the record publicly and state that you're not going to do Or come, come on Light Shed Live. Come on Light Shed Live. Because enough I, of this, like, just, you know, I, I don't think there's anything negative about this, Walt. Doors. I just, I think it's more about just how many, per, what percentage of existing Verizon Netflix subs would actually switch over. I think that's a small number. Not, it's nothing bad about it. I just think it's a small number. I agree. We'll it's see. a subsegment. It's a yeah. subsegment, but you know, what's unless, the Netflix, what's, what's unless the Netflix there's again? financial incentive to do it. What, what is the, and there will be. Netflix has like 68 million subs in the US. Okay. I mean, if you told me that, that Verizon can grab a couple of million of those and that that's a small subset, that's a fucking huge win. That's a huge win because they're going to get 15% VIG, 15 to 20% VIG on that. Uh, obviously lower probably for Netflix and some of the other content um, guys that they have there. That's and for a company that's trying to muster up 4% revenue growth, and this would be a hundred percent margin revenue. How can you not be excited about that? Well, talking about streaming services, um, 
That was a HBO, long segment. HBO Max obviously uh, has big content around Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. And, you know, you've got um, sort of how that's one of their core franchises. There's a Variety article, uh, actually a story that came out a little over a week ago that I just totally missed, that the Lord of the Rings estate, sort of the Tolkien estate, thinks that Warner Brothers has not done enough development around future movies and therefore future content. And because of that, the estate could actually be sold to a third party. And obviously we're seeing a complete, you know, the Ronald Dahl estate was sold. You're seeing every movie studio and TV startup studio. Every studio is being sold right now. Uh, I think industrial just got, who, who just bought industrial? We saw Sony bought Sony. industrial. Like, yep. like there is just a run on studio. That's right? a pretty like everyone, small deal, but yeah. It, it is. But the point is, this is sort of peak year for selling your studio. And it's just sort of interesting that, like, I don't think, look, the odds of this are probably low. My, my guess is this gets settled and there's probably financial ways this all gets settled and, and worked out. But just the sheer thought heading into sort of, you know, the, the big merger and everything that's happening, it's just sort of, you know, this is something that I think is a material issue if it actually is an issue. Well, we'll see. I mean, Amazon is the one who has done something new and different with this with these properties but it's taken them forever there have been starts and stops and uh, rewrites and reshoots and all these things if it does come out and it is a strong and popular television series on amazon then maybe that's a reason to rethink it but imagine what amazon would pay for the tolkien estate if it was oh actually for sale yeah, right. if they if they could get a deal done, right? Right, right, right. right. I don't know. Which, I, guess, like, I, guess, I have no us, idea if this is possible. Which gets us to like kind of like what you know is going on with the uh, MGM situation. Is that deal ever going to get done? We'll get to. I mean, that I guess later. we could. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get back. To so that. But my let's... question, Rich, is um, no, not. Let's go to the next one. My question on this is: Did friend of the podcast, friend of Lightshed, one of my favorite guests, David Zaslov? Do you think expect <laughs> this? I am, you know, look, there's no way anyone is I, this. This seems like one of those like crazy Hollywood stories, you know, where, you know, again, I can't imagine this happening, but I also don't think that anybody in this transaction was debate, you know, was factoring this in like this would be a material franchise loss if it actually disappeared. Again, I put the odds yeah, low. Those, those I, I got to learn more about this lawsuit. I don't know enough about what's actually going on. I just I had heard from several people that this state was shopping and looking at potential partners. And I was like, how is that even possible? So we'll what see. Think, what do you think our friend Zaz thinks about CNN plus? Um, <laughs> I don't CNN even know. Plus, Look, I do love Chris Licht. Chris Licht produces the late show. <laughs> I love Chris Licht. He's a great choice for the running of CNN. He literally friend of the pod. It'll be great to have him over at CNN, but CNN plus like, come on. Can we just move on? We don't even need to talk about it. Next. No, no one is paying for CNN plus. Except uh, me. I no. pay for, I pay, pay for the weather channel app. <laughs> in, in trying, in trying to have really? strong. Yeah. Well, that's a good I segue just, into ad free, Rich. You know, well, I was going to say, I was going to say, there I was going to say, as we're trying to expand the market for services, uh, subscription services, whether it's through Verizon's new offering or whether it's through um, what Disney's doing now with advertising, Disney, after a news story broke yesterday that this was happening, Disney confirmed it this morning. Sort of strange. I mean, Disney Plus is seven ninety nine. 
started off at $6.99. I remember when the $6.99 was released, I remember everyone going, oh, it's so cheap. This is so cheap. It's so inexpensive. They've raised the price $1 since launch. It's pretty, hard. it's pretty cheap. I mean, compared to Netflix, I saw that $21.99 hit my uh, credit card <laughs> yesterday. Why do you pay $21.99 when it's $19.99? Well, don't worry. You might be able to get that cheaper because via, I have, uh, via I Verizon have, shortly. I have like the highest level thing. Got it. Um, Did you share your look, password among 20 of your friends? <laughs> no, no, just among my family. <laughs> They'll but be I mean, cracking down on you as well. <laughs> what's interesting in here, what's interesting is that there's actually a line in here where Disney literally says that this is a building block of hitting their 2024 guidance. When they first announced Disney Plus, advertising was wasn't part case. of it. And they literally, I have, it, it's just because I thought it was amazing. There's a quote from the CFO of Disney, Christine McCarthy. This is from December of 2020. She says, we have a very high volume of films on our service, and we don't believe that the consumer experience would be a particularly good one if we had advertising on Disney Plus. That doesn't mean we couldn't look at some things related to advertising, but in terms of having advertising in the stream for Disney Plus, our intention is not to do that. That yep. was 14 months ago. Okay, so let's let's break it down. Why the pivot, Rich? I have some ideas, but I'll let you go first. I mean, my my gut instinct is they jacked up their subscriber targets for Disney Plus. They're realizing that subscriber growth is not as easy um, for Disney Plus. The content's taken longer to produce, and so you know, rather than reset Wall Street's expectation, take it down a little bit and have a, you know, sort of better consumer experience, they're going to put ads in. Now, it expands the market, but it degrades the experience. And those people are going to watch for, less. For, so, for, for some people, it degrades the experience, those who take the... But as we see, most people, you have, remember, you have high churn, you yep. have to keep replacing, or you have decent churn, not high churn, but you have decent churn. When you're replacing people, you're taking more and more people on at the lower price offering. It's just human nature. Yeah, but if the lower price and they choose it. If there's a lower price and churn goes down, you have less people coming on and off. Um, If they stay on for longer and you don't have to reacquire um, those subscribers, and you have an average total, a higher average total number of subscribers, and you're getting ad revenue, it actually could be a creative. The problem is churn is usually higher because those people watch less and are less engaged. And so that's sort of the risk. Like I was even talking to Spotify the other day, like Spotify, ad-supported users just listen a lot less than non-ad-supported users. It's just a fact. Well, and that so- could, it, a part of that could be, though, Rich, the people who take ad-supported Spotify are not huge music fans that listen to music all the time. True. And the people who take... <laughs> um, what do we call it? Uh, and also, they're the more price sensitive users who would be more likely to churn anyway. The, the bottom line is getting people to watch less Disney Plus, having more and more people watching less Disney Plus, which already has low viewership, and now introducing ads. And again, remember, most of the viewership of Disney Plus is very young. So you're like, you're going to be doing ads at like very young people because like Walt is not watching a lot of hours per week. Most of the hours are coming from kids under 10. So your ad opportunity doesn't even seem that large, honestly. Well, I think you're missing one big piece to this puzzle, Rich. It starts with an H and ends with a U. 
Hulu. Hulu. Very good. Which has um, advertising. Obviously. Which has advertising. We have talked um, on this podcast about Hulu being integrated into the Disney Plus service, right? Um, Hulu does have pretty high ad ARPUs. The infrastructure there is actually pretty good and something they could exploit on the D plus side, whether or not they integrate it. Hey, Brandon, have you actually used Hulu ad supported? No, I don't use ad supported. The ad load is pretty heavy. And so the problem I want to point out before we move on is just once you start doing ads, there is this natural human tendency, just like broadcast TV, cable network TV, any of these advertising mediums, magazines, you can name any. By the way, medium. Mark just chimed in. He said, I use Hulu ad-based. It's horrid. It's Mark. So the, uh, he, but he, but well, here's the problem, Brandon. Once you start advertising, when Hulu started ads, low ad load, very targeted, very creative, it gets worse and worse and worse because you keep going, how do I make the quarter? How do I grow revenues? Right. Jam ad load. More ads, more ads. And that's the human tendency of a management team once right. you bring in ads. And to and then degrade you de- the experience. You degrade the experience. And that's the I mean, that's the risk. I so think the, right uh, now it's one ad for, you, for X number of minutes. Then it's two you, ads per X number of minutes. Do you think this is a precursor to Hulu coming into D plus? Well, I guess the larger point, Brandon, is why are we even talking about this? Let's figure out Hulu first. Are we keeping or not keeping? Right, right, right. right. Like to me, it's just cart before horse. And maybe, look, maybe this isn't launching until end of 22. Maybe this is, hey, over the next six months, we're going to figure out Hulu. But it just feels like first decision is Hulu, then it's integration. I don't know. It, this just seems backwards right now. By the way, the other interesting thing, just to like kind of follow up on this, is if you look at those who have ad supported and premium, no ad subscription, um, all the players that started as cable networks or broadcasters have subscription uh, subscri- dual revenue stream subscription plus ads and all the ones that didn't don't so all the tech players Shocker. amazon apple netflix no so this ads. is your classic this is your classic H- brand H- hbo what? on its own no ads but with max adding ads Peacock ads, Paramount when at, ads. When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. To quote when my all good you friend have, Brandon Ross, that's not my. When all you, you know, have you know, is a hammer, everything looks, everything like, looks a like a nail. But did I come up with that? No, Rich? fish did. I know fish <laughs> did. I know, I know, I know. Take your fucking. That's, fish I think credit. that's. I think that's Tom Marshall's lyrics there. Whatever. Let's okay. move on. Uh, Brandon, why don't you read this on gaming? Sure. Netflix acquires. Finnish game developer Next Games for around $72 million. The studio specializes in games based on entertainment franchises such as Stranger Things. Seems like a natural a, fit. Did they miss a decimal or there in that tweet? $72 tech, million. The funniest, the, fu- tech, the, the funniest thing was Rich had said to us, oh, my God, this is a big acquisition for because it's a Netflix yeah, data <laughs> for Netflix. I heard this studio is awesome. And I was like, most of our venture portfolio is valued at a higher yeah, price such a, such than a they just bought this is. studio for. Yeah, it's funny. And by the way, and, and to, to, to highlight the contradiction, when Fubo, I think it was, bought that sports gaming thing for an undisclosed sum. Now, granted, it wasn't even as high as 72 million. That was probably 100x what Fubo paid for that 
whatever that company was. Uh, but maybe, I, the, maybe this Verizon promotion will will um, will be about helping Netflix get into gaming. It seems like it's going to be a struggle. All kidding aside, though, uh, on this acquisition, it shows you the way Netflix is going to build its game expertise is through acquisition. It is very, very difficult to build a studio from scratch when you don't have the DNA in your company. They are going to make several acquisitions. I think this is already, what, the third one, Rich? And I would expect several small, more small acquisitions, and they'll be opportunistic. This makes sense because they already did the Stranger Things um games and um i like i keep saying with netflix they'll play moneyball they'll find games that haven't been able to build a huge audience that they could maybe build a huge audience for on the netflix service um let's go to the videotape no let's go to tiktok because i think you know in terms of sort of like huge changes for the for the you know for the ecosystem i think this is one of the biggest stories of the week and i know it's not getting a lot of attention like people aren't really talking about this it just feels like tiktok's ambitions are massive and i remember when they started off with a minute and then they went to three minutes and then they went to 10 minutes and i just i think back to like when all of us you know i remember charlie bit my finger and double rainbow and those are now nfts I understand, but I just I, I go back oh. to those er, I go back to those early days of YouTube when we were watching short form video, and now we're watching twenty minutes, thirty minutes, two hours of YouTube videos, right? Like it's on the TV, and it's just it's absorbed tremendous time spent. Twenty two percent of connected TV time spent is YouTube. I just feel like this is like a this is the signal from TikTok yeah. that they're aiming for a lot more time spent, and like. You know, when you hear whether it's David Zaslav or Bob Chapik at Disney, like any of these executives are always talking about each other, like competing with each other. Maybe they're talking about competing with Netflix or Amazon or whatever, but they really should be talking about competing with TikTok, right? And and YouTube for time spent because it's just time. Well, it's not just time spent, Rich. It's ad dollars, right? Sure. And we've talked about how the advertising for traditional TikToks, as we as Walt loves them. Um, needed to well, be. He doesn't get ads though. He still yeah, doesn't no, get I ads. Know, he doesn't he get still ads. never but, gotten an ad. But, need, but the bar was that it was a native feeling ad for that. Once you get to longer um, video content, then that opens up all different new ad units. And then the other thing I was going to say was um, this is the playbook that they followed in China with Duyan. And I would just keep looking at what they did in China for what the next iteration of TikTok is going to be in the Western world. Walt, care to talk about your favorite product? Um, I just want to ask Rich, is TikTok eating the world? <laughs> I think that's the risk, right? And I just think everyone is asleep. I do. I, I really think like it's so, first of all, anyone at any age loves watching TikTok. Like I can't find once they use it doesn't I don't have like fun. it you're an anomaly you're a I, I also don't like comedy no algo can figure out your brain that yeah, is i guess sure. that, that's probably that's probably the issue <laughs> weird uh okay i i'm i'm so thrown off guard by that i'm gonna move on to the, the information I just, don't, I just don't find it like most of the stuff on there to be funny 
I mean, it's you're getting source global content. Give it a couple more flicks, and I'm sure the algo will figure out what you. It doesn't have to be funny. Like everything is not funny on TikTok. Like there's a variety of different content. That's what makes it so good. Anyway, move on. The the next tweet is from the information, which is a new service that requires a subscription. <laughs> and it says the FTC is gearing up a potential a potential antitrust lawsuit challenging Amazon's eight and a half billion dollar takeover of MGM Studios. Um, there's excess text there that we don't need to get into. Um, so this is our, our friend Lena Khan at the FTC suing. Um, I don't know what to what's say going on this. here, Walt. You're Mr. DC. Um, I mean, look, the Biden administration went kind of left pretty hard last year um, when they're at the FCC. They still haven't filled their fifth um, commissioner yet. So I don't know what their kind of status is and the type of people they want to put in this administration. But from what I'm hearing, I don't I think there's staffer issues at the FTC with Lena Khan and some of the decisions she's making. You know, we live in a a nation of laws. So I, I don't know. She's not only going to, I think, embarrass herself by trying to um, try and win this lawsuit. And my guess is lose, but it also establishes precedent. Like you hamstring future FTCs by going to, to court and having these precedents established. So I just think it's a one-off person and a result of the Biden administration appeasing a portion of its, of its uh, party base. and then of its base, excuse me. And we'll see how all of that translates in the midterm elections. It's just what my fear is, is that if this went to court, I don't see any way that Amazon could lose. Like, it just seems like this is so absurd. Like the idea that Amazon by any market definition, right? They have, they have no market share. The only, the only thing I worry about is Amazon's a $2 trillion company. Do they want to go through a two-year FTC lawsuit, be undressed by the government, get discovery? Like, or do they just say, you know what? Screw it. We'll just build our, we'll just spend more money and build our studio and like forget it. Like I, I buy the Tolkien estate if it was theoretically for sale. Like, do they just sort of give up on buying a, you know, not even an I, this is not even an established studio. It's a smaller studio with a deep library, but like, so I just worry they're going to abandon it. If they abandon this deal, that is not good. Why, why would they for the buying? It? I would not abandon this. It's precedent setting if they abandon this. Yeah. And then like every time they do M&A, like they could have an issue if they fight this and win this. And I don't think time is of the essence with this particular asset, by the way. um, Then that all that sends a message too, which is like, don't fuck with us on on uh, stuff that has no grounding in law. The, the, the challenge you're also creating law because then you're creating a court ruling that can be used as precedent in the future. And then as yeah. it relates to the FCC and future transactions, the question is like Tim Wu exists in the administration as an advisor to the administration. He's also what I would say in the same ilk as Lena Khan. So what if DTV dish goes up in front of the FCC and, um, chairperson Rosenworcel gets a call from Tim Wu saying like, find a, you know, some interest uh, issue to block this deal. Like, how does that go down? I, I don't know. I'm just more and more concerned with government sort of either stopping or slowing down transactions pretty meaningfully that don't seem like they should be stopped, right? Like, hard to see any real rationale for DTV dish being blocked in 20 Because there's no connection 
of these people, they've lived in academia. There's no connection in the real world in terms of dealing with regulations. And like they're saying, oh, well, we're going to sue. And like, and then you lose. And then, like, okay, do you not realize what you just did to a company because of the, the suit in itself? There's just no consideration for right. that. It's absurd. But, but my fear is Amazon walks, and that is would be negative for Lionsgate, which is trying to sell itself, would be negative for Viacom, which may try to sell itself over the next couple of years. Like it's just, it's not but good. Walking tech doesn't can't set buy. a precedent. It doesn't set a precedent. It will scare investors that tech can't buy these assets. No, I think you're going to have someone that's going to say, fuck off. I'll take you to court and I'll win. Just like Sprint T-Mobile won against the, the state. And like, I, you know, AT&T has, had did, the, did the same. Um, you know, at some point you just stand up. And, and by the way, the other issue is like, people don't stay in administration forever. But, but here's the comedy. Net, <laughs> sorry. Amazon's allowed to buy. Say, there is especially when buy, they're polling the way they are. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon can buy Thursday Night Football for a billion dollars a year. You know, it's an $11 billion deal. They can do Thursday Night Football and nobody says anything. But they can't spend $8 billion to buy the MGM film catalog. Like it's just something is just screwed up, like completely screwed up in the government. I don't get it. Let's move on. It's not, it's just certain elements of the government. Let's not condemn an entire entity. Okay, fine. Awful announcing. Sinclair and Charter have a one-month extension to get a new carriage agreement done for RSNs and local networks. And then we've got MLB teams reportedly won't need to rebate RSNs until around 25 games are missed because obviously we're in a lockout situation. Um, obviously, a long-term or a canceled season would be catastrophic for, for Sinclair. for their And for teams, but- Major League Baseball in general, which has plenty of problems as it is. But Rob Manfred, as we've said for forever, is the worst fucking commissioner in sports <laughs> or maybe sports history. We, we may not Go get him on, on Lightshed Live with that comment. That may, that uh, may be a detriment to Lightshed Live. I don't care. It, it wow. had to be said. Okay. But I think we should go back to what is Charter trying to do? Because, you know, obviously Diamond Sports owned by Sinclair is trying to go direct to consumer. They've gotten the rights from uh, the NHL and from NBA. What are they trying to get out of Charter? Because Charter is like, why would we let you go over the top and disrupt our business? Uh, it sounds like what Charter wants is a dramatic reduction in the pay on subscribers. So like right now, Charter probably pays on 85% of the RSNs that Sinclair has, the Diamond Sports RSNs for their subscriber base. It sounds like Charter- That's a penetration minimum. Sorry to interrupt, Rich. Yes. So they have the right to only pay on On 85%. It sounds like Charter wants that to drop down to something like 60% over the course of the next four or five years, which that would be, I mean, look- it would, it would allow Sinclair to launch, I guess. But on the flip side, it sounds like that business, which is already going likely to go bankrupt, that's just the final nail in that business. Like that's just Well, horrible. it depends, right? So Charter would be given the big F word, which is flexibility. Correct. If, they, if there is a major impact that is being made from the over-the-top streaming, then they would go and tier the content. And and pull towards the uh, penetration minimums. And if those are much lower, then yeah, like you're kind of like left hand, right hand. If you're well, especially because imagine you can churn much more easily on a direct to consumer. You don't need to pay for the whole season. You can just sign up for the parts of the year you want. Or if your team sucks, you can. Yeah, it's not. Like, it's not as good of a business. That's for sure. You know. Well, everyone loses money in streaming right now. I mean, really? So like you're trading a profitable business for an unprofitable business. So 
We'll see. But good luck, Sinclair. This is going to be a fun charter but negotiation the, but, to watch. But, but, the, but the point is, it doesn't, even if charter gets those penetration minimums, it doesn't mean they're going to exercise them. Why, why wouldn't they try to create packaging flexibility? We know there's subs who don't want watch the RSNs. If you could offer a meaningfully cheaper package in markets than your competitors because you can tier the RSNs, that would be great. Like if they can tier something and DirecTV can't or whoever can't, I think that's a positive for, for Charter. I think Charter would definitely use that. I mean, maybe it wouldn't play out, but I, I don't know why it wouldn't. Why wouldn't they just drive it down with the new flexibility? There's d- lots of people who don't watch the RSN. Like, no, I, I do not watch my local RSN. Like ever though? Because then there's- no, I do not there's, watch my local RSN the, ever. The I have never, the I have not watched an RSN in years. There's the enhancement to the bundle where, you know, some people are not, you know, huge sports fans, but if the Knicks are good, they'll watch the RSN. You can always add it back. Not hard That's to add fair. back. I'm just saying, That's I'm fair. just saying there'll be tears. That's all. Let's move on. A little Cox and wireless, big ruling, Walt. I assume you're not surprised. Um, I don't know. I mean, this, I don't, I haven't really been following the direct court case, but for our listeners, um, the issue here is that Cox had a MVNO deal with Sprint. Cox, by the way, and the cable operators we've talked to over the years has been the most thoughtful in terms of a wireless strategy. They were thinking about building a wireless network at some point. Um, obviously Sprint was a disaster. No one wants to be on that network. They got bought by T-Mobile. T-Mobile allegedly dicked them around with their new corporate culture of just dicking around with people as we saw with Dish. Um, and then Verizon came in and said, we'll, we'll host you. Or I don't know who reached out to who. And then T-Mobile's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait a minute. So they were, so T-Mobile stopped Cox from doing anything with Verizon. And now um, a Supreme Court said that they can. So we'll see, this, this may take a little while to, to hash out, but. Why does this sort of behavior, this sort of like very belligerent behavior at T-Mobile seem like it's playing out in so many different parts of their business? Like, it just seems like they're getting harder Companies to work Companies are run with. by people. And when people change, so does the culture. It just seems like there's been a lot of these in a short period of time. I want to ask Rhetoric. also, while, while we're on uh, f- fixed wireless, did Verizon say anything at that analyst day you are at yesterday? Well, I mean, while we're on cable companies going after wireless. We weren't on fixed wireless. Um, In fact, they did, Brandon. Um, They added, uh, they said in the first quarter, they're going to add 150,000 wireless, fixed wireless broadband subs. To put that in context, I mean, that's kind of what we think Comcast is going to add this quarter and and Charter, they'll probably be around 200,000 net ads. And you look at that compared to to 2019 pre-COVID, and Comcast and Charter were adding 350 to 400,000 net ads. So it just goes back to this kind of narrative of Verizon just told you they're going to do 150. You know, T-Mobile is probably going to do 200 plus. And just coincidentally, Comcast and Charter's net ads are falling from like 350 to 400 each to like 200. Yeah. But it's, like, all, it's just a gross ad say. issue. It's just a gross ad issue caused by not moving, I thought. It's a fixed pie. <laughs> with reallocation within the pie. They also no, provided know, a, a five-year target in 2025 of getting to four to five million broadband subs, a million of those being business. So going into pizza shops, 
um, whatever it is, like food trucks, stuff like that. This is these are cable SMB customers, sure. right? That's high the, margin. High margin. I don't think food trucks are cable SMB customers. That's true. That is true. <laughs> that is a part of that market is something that cable can't touch today. That's right. But the other part is actually on prem, um, where cable has has customers, and that and that that outlook was about a million higher than what we were previously looking for. So um, Verizon's very optimistic and and was insistent that their network would be able to handle it. I was like, I gave them, I gave the dude an example. I'm like, what if you lit up a, a town and it was like an area where Rutledge hadn't put a nickel into, like we're rich, you know, type of territory. And 50% of the, of the home said, we want to go on Verizon. Like we can do it. We're prepped. We don't need more spectrum with our CapEx budget. We can do it. So we'll see how this plays out because this is a very different narrative than what cable, uh, the cable companies and their bulls have been uh, pushing back on. Next. Next. So we've got, um, it's nice not talk when we're talking about live audio, uh, we're not talking about Clubhouse anymore. We've got the White House. This is Caroline Strom. White House's first Twitter spaces happened the other day, right after the State of the Union. And then there's also a story that I don't really know a lot about, and it seems sort of strange, but I think, you know, Twitter is working on a podcast tab. Um, I'm not really sure how Twitter is going to Look, Twitter audio, I definitely think Twitter spaces is a big deal. And it's definitely leading to people spending more time on Twitter. So in the, And those are recorded, time, by the way. Those are recorded. So now they're they putting are. them in a location where you see them. Because if you're if you're on a Twitter spaces and it says it's recording, I don't know where you go to get those. I assume that those people are publishing them on Spotify or, or some other locations. So now they're saying, if you're going to record your spaces, why not drop it into Twitter podcast? Makes a lot of sense to me. Well, right, but it's I, going to be much more than just recorded spaces. It's going to be sure. podcasts in general. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about it is, is Twitter a better platform for curation of podcasts than the current podcast apps that we all use? For instance, Spotify. Or, or has Spotify solved that sort of uh, that curation conundrum? where I go on and it serves to me the podcast that I would most be interested in listening to. It it hasn't yet. And I know you guys don't even use Spotify for podcasts for whatever reason. Um, well, I, can tell, I mean, I can, for my case, Castro is better technically in terms of speeds and voice quality and things like that versus anything that's out there. But also Spotify, I use it for music. I don't necessarily need curation, but I can see Twitter like just like a Twitter ad saying subscribe to this podcast. And rather than it taking me out to Castro or Spotify or whatever it is, why not take it into their own ecosystem? It, you know, look, Facebook put out a release that they were trying to do this like six months ago. And I think it's gone nowhere. Look, I think it's interesting because there's lots of conversation but Facebook around podcasts. The graph, right? C- correct. This is. And so you're, you have people That's talking about point. podcasts on Twitter. And so it does seem like a natural extension to have podcasts in there. The question is just, remember, most podcast usage, 60 plus percent of podcast usage is on Apple Podcasts, 20% plus on Spotify, and then little dribs everywhere else. Getting people to just shift their platform, getting Walt off of Castro is just not easy. Getting me off of Pocket Cast is just not easy. It's interesting. And we'll see. If they make a great player, I guess anything is possible. Yeah, but if you're, clearly have Twitter, conversation. if you're in Twitter all the time and that's where you're used to learning, absorbing information, both yeah. participating and and listening to um to to topics is it a natural and, fit right and and brandon i think 
I look at it this way. Like if I go there, let's say all the Twitter spaces that are recorded only go into or primarily go in there, or that's where I go because it's easy. Like I miss the Danny Moses, like talking to trade trades, by the way, it's embarrassing, Danny, that you didn't speak up more for wall street during that um, Twitter spaces last night. But if I know it's easy to find there, I start using it more. Maybe I, I, I shift some other podcasts there, but look, I, I use iMessage, I use WhatsApp, right. I use Facebook Messenger. It's, it's seamless Sometimes. to use different apps for, for different purposes you when you're within an operating system. You don't need to be in the same environment. You Correct. use the app that's best for each possible use case. Exactly. And a lot of times it just doesn't make sense. to. But the curation thing has not been solved. And that's what I'm really looking at. The one thing um, that would make it hard is the meta tagging aspect. So what I think should happen, Rich, is Twitter should buy Podchaser. <laughs> you uh, got to right? throw a disclosure out there very quick. That we that Light Shed Ventures is an investor in Podchaser. So <laughs> thank you. But it would be a good fit, wouldn't it? Uh, there's lots of companies that it would be a good fit for because the the sort of the IMDB side of what um, Podchaser is doing for podcasting is relevant to lots of players. I mean, fixing the taxonomy and the searchability and the discoverability of podcasting is a problem that has existed since the very beginning of podcasting and is only getting worse with the explosion of podcasts. Uh, let's talk fanatics. Fanatics is now worth seven times their value just five years ago. They raised a billion and a half at a $27 billion valuation. We're juxtaposing that against the fact that there is supposedly conversations happening between Flutter, Fox regarding the FanDuel option that's been the subject of sort of soon to be arbitration. Um, it feels like, you know, Flutter seems like they don't want to be in the Fox or FanDuel doesn't want to be in the Fox bet business anymore. Uh, it, it sort of feels like, and we wrote this at the very beginning of the year, that we wouldn't be surprised to see Fox sort of wrap this up and go elsewhere. It sort of feels like the sort of the pieces are being laid down for Fox to find a new partner. And the reason I put it on the same slide as Fanatics is, could you imagine like Fox Sports sort of tying up with Fanatics? Like you just think about how Michael Rubin is sort of just steamrolling over the entire kind of media world, starting with merchandise and then just steamrolling everything else. Imagine if Fox was for sale, you know, maybe X Fox News, you put Fox News into News Corp and the rest of Fox, Fox Sports is available with a huge NFL contract would be a really interesting way for fanatics to sort of build their sports betting, build out their sports media. I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah, out loud. No, I, I think it's definitely a good fit. And we've talked about that in the past. The other thing I think is interesting, which backs up this idea that flutter is going to get rid of Fox bet is that they broke out the Fox bet losses in their earnings yep. for the first time. So it's clearly like if you take away the these losses, what would earnings be without it? Now, the downside to everything I just said and you just said is when uh, not too long ago, there was excitement over the sports betting category and these companies were trading at massive valuations that could absorb Fox easily. Now, these companies are going to be smaller than Fox, I think. Like that's the change, is right? Like Fox is now a it looks large relative to some of these things versus the other but way not, around. But not Fanatics, correct? And that's what makes Fanatics. And, so and this could be strategic to Fanatics. One thing we talked about with sports betting is that on its own, it's not a great business. But when you can sort of 
cross-market, cross-promote to other areas of sports, it becomes, or other funnels, it becomes much more interesting. Walt, when you hear the word band camp, what do you think of first? Jesus, Rich. I mean, that's not <laughs> how we were going to play this out. I was going to throw in snarkily something about flutes. You just can't... <laughs> I mean, that was bad transition. By the way, we did, we did when we, this week we went through the slides and we kind of like talked a little bit about, you know, some of the things we might say Two two things were actual setups. One of them was the Verizon thing, which I completely blew total and the other one and the total botch job. Um, So I don't want to do this anymore. And then the second thing was this band camp thing, which was a total boffo. So I think we should go back to winging it the way we always do. Brandon, why don't you read this slide? Because I have no idea what band camp even is. Band camp is joining Epic Games. Read more here. I'm not going to read all this text that was put on the slide, but band camp is a platform for independent um, musicians where they can put their music up and charge whatever they want or nothing at all. They could have customers set their own price. And the one interesting thing about it is I think that the artists get something like 80 or 82% of the revenues themselves. The split is very, very low uh, with the platform. Now, the, the next natural question is why would Epic be buying this? And I looked at this deal when it was announced. I was like, what the fuck? The only thing that there's two things I can think of. One is that Epic is really, really creator focused. And this is a company that gives back most of the economics to the artists. And by the way, that is a risk for when Fortnite Creative comes out to the other players in the metaverse ecosystem, such as Roblox, that Epic is going to go and give massive splits to the creators. Right now, don't forget, Roblox is taking 21, is only giving up 21%. So, so you think that this, this could just be a creator economy play? Like we just love the yeah, creator economy overall, We're doing Fortnite Creative. Yeah. But, but it also shows you the metaverse is more than just 3D interactive. They're building a massive entertainment distribution platform. And production. For, for and the production. Next, and production for the next uh, generation. And music, we have said, is going to be a big part of the metaverse, just like it's a big part of everyday life. It's the soundtrack to everyday life. It's the one thing that most people have in common. Everyone loves music. Same thing in the virtual world. WWE needs some new talent, Brandon. I mean, are we trying out? Should I suit up and try out? No, <laughs> guess not. I could I could read this from The Athletic. Breaking, WWE will hold a multi-day tryout exclusive to current and recently graduated college athletes I during WrestleMania college week. It, yeah, no kidding. Uh, in early, not, not that I was either, but Walt was, he was a rower as it looks to find a new crop of future ref wrestlers. The athletic has learned, and we've discussed this many times. One of the big problems in WWE has been breaking new talent. There has been, shall I say, an aging overall of the talent base. And, um, well, 
What? It's interesting you say that. Is there a like a, a VH1 channel for WWE? Because I was flipping what? through. Yeah. And when you say aging of the talent, it seems like 50 plus. I mean, I, you know, I couldn't <laughs> believe the. <laughs> Like, <laughs> there are well, there have been a number of wrestlers that they have brought back for star power who are gotcha. a lot older um, than they were when they were because big the stars, Goldberg or? and Edge and and others. They just I, they haven't been able to break new megastars. Um, I guess Roman Reigns is one over the last several years, and I I'm just excited that they're being much more proactive and i think the college athlete funnel is a good one to pull from the rock played um at the u rich the u yep i know he did um there have been other uh, wrestlers who have been college athletes some of them is have brand names that could be leveraged Uh, the, the the problem honestly is just you know they need to find not just stars, they need storylines that people really care about, right? Like, I mean, I feel like for a while they had some amazing storylines that people um, really just loved and it, it just built excitement. And I just like, think they need to figure that out. And that was, I feel like 18 months ago, that was sort of the story that they were reinvesting to sort of build back those storylines. And Vince was really focused on it. We just haven't really seen that. Well, one good thing that we've seen at WWE, and I think this is probably one of the reasons the stock is working now, is the ratings declines seem to have leveled off or bottomed. Like the year over years, I believe, are only down a little bit now um, for Raw and SmackDown, which is which is a positive sign because everything had been declining, declining, declining um, continuously. So th- things are going a little bit better there. Um, let's move on to, or, you know, let's move on to Amazon Luna, um, another <laughs> cloud gaming platform. I mean, Stadia, does anyone use Stadia? Let's, before we even get to Amazon Luna, does no, anyone use Stadia? I, anyone? Uh, well, I, I guess there are people who use it, but you know that Google has taken their foot off the gas in their gaming ambitions. I think Amazon is more serious about games than Google has been. They believe that their cloud infrastructure gives them the ability to to create um, games and game experiences that we haven't really seen on mobile or console or PC yet. But Amazon Luna, as it stands now, is pretty much a carbon copy um, of the content that you would, or subset of the content that you would see on console. So I'm not necessarily sure what is going to get that to to really pop. I think it's Microsoft has the best chance, I think, in cloud gaming as they combine it with the fairly decent, fairly decent subscription base that they have been able to build. Just seems hard to believe it's going to be Amazon, right? How Amazon breaks in and makes this meaningful just the way Google it just without a major acquisition, the way Microsoft has just well, made yeah. a major acquisition, right? Like, yeah. And the other by, by the way, not- Microsoft already had plenty of exclusive um, first party content um, yep. for their for their streaming service. And now add this in you or got subscription even more. service. I'm just saying, like, it just seems very hard for these third parties to yeah, just that's say, what, hey, we're a streaming. Well, they've been saying it. I know they can't buy 
in $8 billion MGM. What acquisition are they going to be able to make in gaming? Do they even want to make an acquisition in gaming? Do they have to do it piecemeal like we're seeing Netflix do? Small studio after small studio after small studio. But then you're not going to get the type of exclusive content um, to really uh, build a separate service. So now we've got two funny slides to end with. The first one, Brandon, why don't you read and explain what in the world they're talking about? So Pixelmon raised over $70 million at three ETH per mint just for them to reveal like this. I think it's fair to say all the buyers were rugged. Stop supporting cash grab NFT projects. This is a reason to watch as opposed to listen to the podcast for those <laughs> that's, exactly, who have, that's what i was just gonna say i, I mean, mean yeah this is some embarrassing shit this is really bad i this is some of the worst art i've ever seen in my life and this was a highly anticipated um of uh, the pixelmon project was popular three eth per mint which is like i don't know eight nine grand and this is the crap that people got. I think it's all trading at like 0.01 ETH right now. So yeah, people got rugged on this. And there's been a lot of rugging that has been going on in NFT land. And then we also saw a bunch of stolen um, NFTs. I think when was that last weekend, guys? So right out of OpenSea, so, or two weeks ago. So, you know, things are not necessarily ironed out in this emerging world as of yet. <laughs> Just this to sounds, say the least. You should tweet that. At least retweet it. So if someone wants it, I mean, yeah. your Twitter account. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, and that it's, it's, is, an, it's an incredible story. It's uh, literally the best story of the, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. Those we, are. I mean, look, we make fun those, of people those buying look like my three-year-old, three-year-old, my two-year-old niece made them. Look. <laughs> Look, we make fun of people buying JPEGs of plays that are, you know, or of little videos that you could get off of YouTube. Um, but, yeah, but this least, is, but this is at least level. you're owning something that's real content. This right. is a fucking this joke. Is, Charlotte drew that bet. It could drive better. Um, Scarlet, by the way. Scarlet, Scarlet. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said Charlotte. Uh, it's been a long day. Walt, wrap us up with this last amazing slide. Uh, our friends at Barstool Sports have tweeted, Amazon was set to pay Sean McVay um, for our non-sports listeners. He's the head coach of the Super Bowl winning Los Angeles Rams. Um, they were going to pay, Amazon was going to pay him $100 million to walk away from the sidelines and into the Thursday night football broadcasting booth. So that's insane. Um, but Amazon, and I did tweet this, just sending a message like rather than spending a hundred million dollars on one talent, just open it up. Look, look, look at TikTok as your example. When you open content up and it creates, oh, just open it up and you will find great announcers that anyone can subscribe to. You're not going to pay a hundred million dollars. Invest in the product. You're a technology company. Don't pay Sean McVay a hundred million dollars. And by the way, he shouldn't have won the fucking Super Bowl anyway, because that was not a hold on the final play. Not a hold. I, it, it is interesting, though. Amazon is that working is true. with the they producer of Sunday Night Football, and they are supposedly investing very, very heavily in the infrastructure to broadcast Thursday Night Football. Like It sounds like they are really going big, 
and cool. serious about what this production is going to look like. I don't know exactly what that means. I, I, Where did I've the music go? I've heard that before, I don't know. Rich. I've heard that before. And I, I'm, I'm just going to call bullshit until I actually see it. Like, I'm, I'm, tell me about how you're going to invest. You're going to do all this stuff. Let me see it in your production because I haven't seen it yet. I hear you. We'll see. Let's, good luck to Apple. I hope you win the Sunday ticket because I'm quite certain that our friends at Apple will invest and will deliver a superior technology evolution. That's episode 96. No, everyone. Rich. What? Rich. What? What? I want, I want you to get loose. I want I gotta, you to scream out of control. I'm wearing my date night t-shirt, by the way. Come on, Rich. I don't care what t-shirt you're wearing. I want to see you dance. <laughs> no one, uh, for our listeners, they don't even know what that looks like. So, Everybody, have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful week next week. And we'll see you for episode 97. Soon. Two. Two.